I am Mo Quick. It is the Mo Show. I brought in a marriage counselor, relationship expert, Dr. Cassandra Bolar. Bolar. Did I mess it up? (laughs) Dang, I practiced. (laughs) That is okay. It's Bolar. Bolar. Dr. Cassandra. Girl, I see you on your social, giving out tips all the time, right? Yes. But I could imagine when you actually have a couple in front of your face going through the motions, it's not really as easy as doing a 60 second Instagram clip, is it? Oh, no, not at all, <laughs> because people are going through real life and mm. sometimes it can get hard and it can get sticky. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, coming to counseling is such a huge gesture that you want to work on things. And I think that is one step into the right direction. Absolutely. Because sometimes counseling is shoved on the other partner. You know, like we have to do this. And then you have one partner. I'm sure I don't know, but you have one partner in there who's <laughs> in it, dedicated. The other partner looks like I do not want to be here. Most definitely. You have buy in from one person and usually one partner is a dr- drug into the process. But I think what you want to let people know is that is you're not the problem. You know, someone may feel like, oh, I'm being brought in and drug in. But I want them to know that I'm on their side the couple side, each individual side, and I want to help their relationship win. And so one of the biggest keys is really joining in and building an alliance with both parties, you know, and letting them know that, you know, you care about their outcomes. And I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of therapy. I love it. How long have you been in counseling? Well, I started counseling. I actually got trained back in 2005, 2006. Wow. Yes. And I've been doing relationship counseling as also education as well. So relationship education, you know, because sometimes when you're coming in for therapy, just like, you know, it assumes that you knew how to do things the right way beforehand. But sometimes we don't. We we can do better when we know how to do better, Ooh, you know, and do so better when you know better. Yes. And so that <laughs> education is really key as well. And I think everyone is not going to come into therapy. And I understand that. But I think I think education is a lot more palatable for people than sometimes therapies per se. So tell me this then, you know, a lot of people don't even understand why. Why even do counseling? What are the benefits? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So first of all, you know, having an objective outsider is so helpful and powerful. And one thing, a very effective form of therapy is emotionally focused therapy. It has been proven through research to be effective in helping couples about, oh, the effectiveness rate is in the 70%. You know, wow. So 70 percent of couples experience improvement from going through emotionally focused therapy. And the reality is just like with your teeth, like I can brush my teeth every single day. But, you know, there may be crevices that I can't get to. So I need to go to the dentist and have someone who has an has the light, can shine it on, has been trained and they can prevent those cavities. Yeah. And so I see therapy as such. Yeah. A lot of people want to think that. I know how to communicate. I don't need somebody to tell me how to communicate. I know. And it's, you know what? It's not necessarily telling people what to do. It's actually, I'm very much so, I come from a strength-based approach. So I want to tap in to what you already know Mm -hmm. and how to keep, you know, we kind of already know what to do, but keeping it at the forefront of our minds is what's really key and what's really important. Yeah. And I think, um, at least for my husband and I, whenever we do counseling, first we started with a professional, we started with a spiritual counselor, and now we do counseling with other couples, you know, (gasps) because I love it. (laughs) 
Because it doesn't make you feel like you said, like someone's telling you what to do. It's sort of just like a guided approach. Yes. You know how to ask a question, but do you know how to hear a response? And that's the accountability involved. You know, like, you know, I think like group therapy in and of itself creates a whole new dynamic. And it's not like the facilitator telling you what to do, but it's kind of like we're we're in this process together and I'm going to hear from you because I know you may be going through similar things. Mm-hmm. And that accountability, it takes a village Girl. to raise a healthy relationship and a healthy Please. marriage, Please. you know? And so just to hear that you have that type of setting it's so key and so powerful. I'm so happy think, to hear that. Thank you. Because I don't think anybody really understands, you know, like you said, it takes a village. Most times that I've experienced with my couple friends, we always feel like, you know, me and my man, that's all it is. We just need each other. Like we can work through it just ourselves, not understanding that that's what I feel like. It's sort of unhealthy when it's just you two going back and forth, going back and forth, and you never have either a professional or experienced person validating your feelings, validating their feelings, um, helping you guys work through things. We like, we're going to shut the door in this house and nobody's coming in. Yes. You know, here's the thing is that, you know, it's easy to get stuck in your cycle, you know, and, 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 and it's easy to, when, when you're in the situation, you, you're so close to it that it makes you short-sighted. And sometimes people outside of your situation can provide clarity. Now, granted, you want to have boundaries, right? You don't want to, you know, you don't want to tell your mom or your sisters and things like that because they may kind of hold things against you. But at the end of the day, you know, um, having that outside help and that clarity, it, it could give you some guidance that maybe you wouldn't be able to provide on your own. And isolation sometimes is not the healthiest thing. So I was right. (laughs) <laughs> I knew it couldn't have been right because it just doesn't feel right seeing yeah. them go through that suffering, but tight lipped about it. Most definitely. And- oh, oh, here's I'm sorry. Here's a question. I sort of want to switch gears a little bit. Yes. When you um, have a couple mm-hmm. that are suffering through one of the other or both of their infidelities, what are some tips and tools and guidance you give to those couples? Let's just say infidelity is such a major relational trauma. Trauma, it, great is a, <laughs> it is a relational trauma and it is kind of such a, it's a huge infraction. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's really key and critical is to give both parties grace. Mm-hmm. And it is something that people can get through. Definitely they can get through it. Um, and so just a few tips would be, you know, to give that person, the person who's been betrayed, give them time and space to kind of collect themselves and even make a decision how they want to move forward. Okay. How long is too long? Sometimes they're like, I did that three months ago. Why are you still beating me up about it? Oh my goodness, honey. (laughs) Three months is definitely not no time to process something like that. Really? Three months isn't long enough? No, no. 90 days. No, because what happens is it shatters a dream that that person had for the relationship. And so it has dismantled a lot. And so you lose trust um, by buckets, but you only gain it by drops. And so you've only been making couples of drops. And so, you know, it's going to definitely take a lot of time um, to get back, you know, to regain that trust. And, And it's a healing process. It's, you know, just thinking about, it's like the grieving of a death. And, you know, like of a major relationship, like even with a parent, you wouldn't say three months later, oh, you're not over your parent. Oh, no, 
that's the death of something of a person who's had such a significant role in my life. Yeah. And so even when we think about it, what happens, even when we look at it from like attachment theory. So, you know, you know, your primary caregiver during childhood was your parent. But when you become an adult, your primary caregiver is your partner. Yes. And so, like, you know, this betrayal has dismantled, like, that relationship and that bond. And so it's going to take some time to reestablish that and to heal from that. So let them go through the stages of of grief. Like, literally, it's like a death. I so never it, thought about it like oh, that. Oh, yes, hands down. The shock, the denial, the disbelief. The, the 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 sadness the and the and the anger and then the resolution you like they have to go through all of those phases and it takes time and 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 the other person they have to be the, be an open book and have that transparency because of the deception involved because of you know the secrecy involved in something like that you know so you know and I think we have to not normalize that type of behavior you know I teach also at the university level and I teach the psychology of love course. Wow. Yes, I love my students. And Girl, so <laughs> I need that course. <laughs> so I absolutely adore my students. And one thing I really treasure about the process is that I get an understanding of the heartbeat of 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 18-year-olds. Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, they tell me all the time, they're like, if this culture has normalized cheating. And that's just so problematic because that is a wound. Even in popular media, look at Scandal. Scandal has, you know, the the main character is the mistress. Girl, isn't that you know, hilarious? You know, you know, and, and that's the person that people are rooting for, you know. So, so even, <laughs> right, that's even taboo. Right. We're supposed to hate her. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, and, and so, you know, the culture is shifting. But I think that we can bulk the culture and say, no, this is a huge wound that could break an incredible bond but it doesn't have to you know you can come back a lot of couples always ask me well can we come back from this I always say that yes you can it's but it's your decision but it's your decision are you (laughs) listening because you have to make the decision I will forgive this person I do want to move on when I talk to my homegirls I feel like they're sometimes afraid to make that decision out loud because they don't want to be judged. Even yes. in their heart, they really want to forgive. Yes, they do. And here's the new shame. Okay, so Esther Perel is an expert on this. The new shame now is staying because when a major infraction has happened, people will be like, oh, what, you stayed up? What, that person did that Very to you? shame. We always want to make you feel stupid. Yes, but you're not. It's actually a higher level of, of functioning when you can forgive and make amends. Now, we definitely don't want that problematic behavior to continue, but I think that having the capacity to forgive on that level stretches you to a level of growth and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, everyone doesn't have to know your business, but you know, I think it's a higher level of functioning that we should never shame someone for. Girl, you better say that because <laughs> it's so hard for me to forgive somebody. So yes. I know once I have, I have to pat myself on the back. Like, yes. girl, you are growing. Look yes. at you. Yes. <laughs> because at the end of the day, there's going to be something that you are going to have to forgive your partner over. A lot of times we think of betrayal in a sexual way, but there are smaller betrayals as well that can be as just, just as harmful. Like what? That, you know, maybe not telling them what you're doing with the finances, Ooh. making um, secret purchases, 
um, you know, not even being responsive to them emotionally. That's like a minor betrayal. And those things hurt as well. And and we have to have a way to forgive. And, and here's the thing. This, the research is very clear um, such that, uh, you know, happy couples have just as many problems as unhappy couples, but they have an effective way of repairing. Mm. So tell me this, and I hope there's research on this. Yes. Is there, and we're going to speak on sexual infidelity, is there a number of times that you have to not forgive and move on because it might be unhealthy? You know, I think that's honestly up to the person. For for some people, this is their deal breaker. And they say if this happens, they are out of the relationship. So, okay. for, so for one person, it could be one time is yeah. too many. Um, but I think that when it becomes a habit, and, you know, and I think that's going to definitely be up to the person to, de- to determine but, you know, you know, three, four or five times, it's kind of like that is this is egregious. This is egregious. <laughs> this is this is not just a, a mistake. And here's the thing. Yeah. There's, you know, honestly, there's no such thing as a mistake per se. It's a, de- it's a decision. But they call it a mistake. They just no. fall into the vagina. There's no way. <laughs> really, it's you. There was a decision that was made. Yeah, it was because a you choice. gotta take your clothes off. It was a choice that <laughs> you gotta was made. climb on somebody. Most definitely, and <sighs> you know, there's no way that you can honestly rationalize that. Yeah, you know, but it is a very egregious infraction, right? But it's I always say, you know, it's something that you can recover from. It, mm-hmm. it you know, there is hope. Yeah, you know, there is hope after a situation like this, and. You know, there are hard things that couples hit. Every couple's going to get hit with something. I'm not saying it's going to be this. You know, it could be an unexpected. Maybe they had a hard time having a child or maybe they had an unexpected loss in the family or, you know, you know, every couple gets hit with what I call an uncontrollable variable. Mm. And you didn't know when that thing was going to happen, where it was coming from, but it happened. Mm. But it's all about our response. And if I can just bring God in one time, I call it a test. You know, it's always going to be a test that life is going to put you through. And that's when you are supposed to get that faith stronger and stronger. Oh, my gosh. And I always I look at God as like the ultimate teacher. and He knows our capacities and the test is meant to stretch us. And 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 that's all he's trying to do and not take us and deplete us in any way but help us grow. And sometimes it's through the challenges, it's through the trials, you know, that we, that we grow the most. Mm -hmm. And it's just, just gathering those lessons. Even when we make mistakes, we can kind of redeem those mistakes by taking that information as lessons learned and using it moving forward. It's not about perfection. It's just about growth and progression. I love it. You know, they say we don't make mistakes. We make lessons. Yes. (laughs) I love that. I've never heard that, but I like that. (laughs) And what about, So let's talk about the couples that come in and one person's hearing one thing. The other person is hearing another thing. It's all that static in between and they can't communicate the right way. Communication can definitely be hard because, you know, you want to get your point across. And they want to get their point across. Yeah, they want to get their point across. (laughs) But I say effective communication hasn't occurred until you have really gotten to the point of mutual understanding. But how to get there if you can't listen to the other yes. person because you're trying to get your point across? Seek to understand first, and that's going to be super hard. Mm. Seek to find, and that, and that's actually going to help with empathy, and that's going to help with gaining that other person's perspective. 
And when when they see that you're genuinely interested in where they are coming from, even if you see it differently, sometimes I do this in counseling. I'll have um, a sheet of paper and I'll face it one part toward one partner, face it toward the other partner, and I'll draw a W on it. Of course, it looks like a W to the person on on whatever oh. side, but on the other person's side, it looks like an M. Who's right? Who's wrong? They're both right. Mm. So based on your orientation, based on your perspective, it's okay that you see things differently, but I can still see things differently, but value your your viewpoint. And I think that when we give that gift of valuing that other person's viewpoint and really listening, then we're actually getting to the place of mutual understanding. Because even in the classroom, like students are hearing my information and it's hitting them all differently based on their background experiences, based on if they're asleep or not, you know, based (laughs) on all of this. Right. And so, you know, um, and so with that, you know it's okay that they're gathering those different perspectives. But when you put those things together, it actually gives us a wider worldview. That's a good one. And and we have blind spots. Like I have blind spots and and my husband, he he has clarity a lot of times in areas that I'm very blind in, you know, (laughs) and vice versa. But when I take his consider, I I consider his perspective, it it broadens my horizon. Mm. So how is it possible even to learn how to communicate to where I am hearing you and not waiting to respond. Oh, hands down, hands down. And I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're at 100. Like when we're really, or like when you may be upset or you're really kind of on your, you got your, you already planted your flag and you feel a certain way, <laughs> you know, but you need to actually have to, you have to calm down and find some space so that you can think more rationally and then just consider your partner's perspective. What is their experience of this situation? That's a good one. So mm-hmm. really communication takes consideration. Oh, hands down and empathy. That is a secret sauce to actually creating connection. And, and and that's what we want from our communication, especially with our intimate partner, especially with the people that we treasure the most. So if one person is coming from an empathetic place, trying to understand why they feel that way, but the other person hadn't quite gotten there. Is there any way that this communication can work? You maybe if if they're not there at that moment, maybe you want to table it or maybe you may want to try a different approach instead of talking. Could you write them a letter? That may show a different level of seriousness. They took the time to sit down and handwrite this letter <laughs> and really tell and express. You know, and a lot of times it's not a pointing the finger. What you want to do is you want to really get in tune with your softer emotions that's driving the intensity. It's quite apparent that you may be angry, that you may be frustrated. But oftentimes when we're coming to that place, the other person that has his or her defense walls up. And what we're trying to do is disarm them. And a good way to disarm the other person is to get to those softer emotions and express, I feel a certain way and not attacking the person, but just, just, just stating the issue that happened. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. When this happened, I felt a particular way. So what if you come in wanting to be empathetic, you come in wanting to understand, but then you hear a trigger word that sets you off. How do you regroup? (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe, you know, you have to stop and find some space, like literally because your body is in fight or flight mode and engagement at that level probably may be regretful. And so you actually want to give your body time to recover once you're triggered, because once you trigger, you just never you know, you never know what may happen. Yeah. You know, you may say something that, you know, not in the best way. And so you really want to 
um, you know, give your body some time to recover and calm down and, and get out of that because your stress response system has already activated. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is actually kind of get it calm and deactivate it so that we can think with the rational part of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. When we're really upset, that, that part of our brain that is in charge moves of... Moves to the back. It, it's like, <laughs> it takes a back seat and the emotional part of your brain says, come on, let's drive. Let's, I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, yeah, you don't got yes. it. <laughs> Girl, yes. that happens so much, man. Every time you think you guys are on a good path, one person says that one word and now you're arguing louder than you started. And yes. you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was trying to be communicative. Yes. What happened? Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. And so you want to give your body that time to recover okay. so that you can show up with the best version of yourself so that that emotional part of your brain takes takes a back seat and it's not driving <laughs> saying we're going as fast as we can because I got to get there, you know. And so that's that's really important. I love it. You know, <laughs> communicating with your partner, you all working through your issues is a really big part of the relationship. But an even bigger part of the relationship that can be a deteriorate happens when other people want to put their two cents in the bucket, like his mama or your daddy or his daddy and your mama. How do you put these boundaries up with your in-laws? I think that you have to discuss them beforehand, you know, I think before you, the marriage. Yes. Oh, hands down. <laughs> you know, you because you're creating this new entity and they're used to handling you as an individual, but now you're coming together as a couple. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be really key and critical that you kind of talk about that. What's going to be the flow of information outside of our relationship? What's going to be the flow of information inside of our relationship? Who will we not talk to when we have issues? You know, whose opinion matters most? And what things will just literally be off the table when it comes to people outside of our relationship? Now, counsel is really wonderful and important. So, you, of course, you can have your counselors. You can have a mentor couple. But that's different. But, you know, when it comes to influence, I think that's really key. And I think what is hurtful sometimes for couples is that, when they come in and it feels like you value someone else's opinion yeah. or advice more than your spouse's or your partner, and then they feel some kind of way about it, understandably. Does it create jealousy? It can. But at the end of the day, when you become, especially when you become married or this is a very significant relationship for you, then what's going to be important is... You're going to have to disappoint someone. Don't let that be your spouse. Okay, because that's how you got to live with. Yes, 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 <laughs> that's yes. That's in your bed at Yes, night. yes. <laughs> and you know, it's not easy because people have grown up all their lives wanting to please their parents, Aww. getting their parents' advice. You know, if you've had some good parents, you know, or and you value their opinion, you value how they see you, it's, it's, it, takes a, it takes a mental shift to make that shift. Yeah, you I know, can understand that. You know, and it's like you've lived maybe 25, 30 years of your life, and that has been the person or the people who you've gone to for advice. Mm -hmm. But but now things have changed. Now you're married. <laughs> and now you're married. <laughs> and you have to kind of make those those shifts. Okay, that, that makes so much sense. So when you're trying to, you know, keep everybody happy, and we know that your spouse's happiness is who you should be focused on the most, right? Hands down. But how do you communicate that to someone who loves the heck out you, like your mom or your dad? I know. And, and, and here's the thing. Whenever that does happen, the partner whose parents are, who, who's, who's most closely attached to that person, they're the ones who need to talk to their family. So not you. Not <laughs> don't you, you so, go to their so mama. So don't you go to your in-laws and be like, hey, 
last time you said this, I have a fence with that, you know, yeah. but, you know, allow allow the person who's already related to them to talk to them and let them know, you know, I always say this is this is the approach whenever I have to have hard feedback. I try to stroke before I kick. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Something nice. Yeah. And then that hit. And then, <laughs> and then, but then when I go in, you know, I, I try to speak to the good that, they're, that they've already done, the good in them, how much they love me or how much I love them and how much I do value, you know, their input. But, you know, hey, but now I'm married. <laughs> You're opening you know, them up. I'm opening them up. Yeah. It's like the sandwich method a little bit, you know. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's actually a really great method. So anybody out there who's been going through this issue, I'm going to suggest that you use this method. You know, don't just say, Mom, my wife hates you. Leave us alone. Like, it's probably not the best way to do that. Am I wrong or am I right? You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. So um, one of the last points that I wanted to hit with you is just really the disconnect that you might feel with a partner. Sometimes I know at least for some of the relationships that I've been in, not with my husband, we were very, I don't know, we related very well. So we never really had that disconnect, you know, but when you are getting to know someone and you don't want to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, how do you get off those eggshells? Well, you know, just recognize that the authentic version of yourself is the best version of yourself. And that's who you want them to fall in love with. You don't want them to fall in love with this altered version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk about it in my class all the time. It's called impression management. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, first impressions are oftentimes lasting impressions. And a lot of times when you like people, you want them to have the best view of you. But what makes people like you most is authenticity. And so just feel free to be your authentic self. Um, But then I think another reason why a lot of people feel like they're on eggshells in their relationship is because they have kind of so much pent-up anger or pent-up issues that they haven't really dealt with. And they feel like I have to kind of tread very lightly because I don't want to set off anything. I don't want to set off So like their history, the couple's history. Sometimes the couple's history puts them in a place to where they're kind of, they haven't really healed. And there's a lot of stuff underneath the rug, Mm -hmm. you know, and they feel like if I step on it too heavily, this stuff is going to fall out. So if you don't want to deal with it, can you still make it through or do you have to face those issues? Well, you here's the thing is that unresolved issues can pile up and create resentment and bitterness. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it's really going to be very difficult to show up as your best self. And so, you know, I think that now everything doesn't have to be tackled. Let's all oh, let's tackle it. Let's, you know, get to it right now. Let's work on it. But, you know, some things you can handle on your own. Like, it's like a minor grievance. Like, you're like, and and when you're accommodating in that way, that actually bodes well for the relationship, actually, for its maintenance and its enhancement. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that if th- if your partner does this, it always, it, it hurts you in a, on an emotional level. Or you feel like it's taking away from your emotional bank account as a couple, then we definitely want to talk about it. And what is an emotional bank account? Okay. Okay. <laughs> So every nice gesture, every time that your partner asks for you to, you know, talk to them or and, and you turn toward them and, and, and you give them your attention, all of that is making a deposit into your emotional bank account. And so, so positive experiences make positive deposits into your emotional bank account, but negative experiences make withdrawals. But here's the thing. 
negative experiences are weightier than positive experiences. Mm. And it's actually a ratio. Dr. John Gottman, one of the most renowned researchers um, on relationships, it's a five to one ratio. So it takes five positive experiences to account for one negative experience. That's expensive. I like that. (laughs) That's right. It is expensive. It's definitely very expensive. So I'm assuming if you were in the negatives, not so great. No, it's not. And so I think that a lot of times when people feel like they're on eggshells, Mm -hmm. they're in the negative. Oh. They don't have a cushion. They don't have a buffer. And the way to do that is? Is be as intentional as possible about creating those positive experiences. Like intentionally date. Like do things that are super duper fun. Like like it, it wires us toward connection. It does. Mm-hmm. Wow. I hope you guys are learning as much as I am. <laughs> this is a great conversation. You know, I really wish that more couples of our skin tone would invest in counseling. I know a lot yeah. of us, we just go from having sex to dating to marriage (laughs) like we don't even date first we just go ahead and hop right on in bed and then now we find ourselves with this person even though we didn't really take the time to get to know them yeah so now that we're in marriage we assume we'll keep this unhealthiness going yeah and here's the thing is that you can still learn you know I'm always I'm always I'm always a hopeful person that's probably why I do what I do (laughs) but you know you can you can learn each other even if you have to kind of go back and make you know on some of your past steps and things of that nature it's okay you you can move forward with intentionality mm, it's not too late it's not too late mm. it's not too late it's not too late to learn yourself it's not too late to learn the other person um, and giving yourself grace in that process as well I love it so before I let you go I want you to tell anyone who's listening right now who might be struggling with love, what does healthy love look like? Oh, hands down. So healthy- she rolled her eyes. Oh. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I say a healthy relationship is a relationship that supports the authentic version of yourself. And it pushes you toward your purpose and your destiny. And it's healthy in such that, you know, there's a healthy bond. There's a healthy emotional bond. You're able to communicate freely. I think also having shared common interests and values is very important for a healthy relationship. Being able to navigate conflict well in a way in which you can voice your opinions um, and, 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 and feel heard and understood. That is all an aspect of a healthy um, relationship. Um, and also to feeling like you have a healthy future with that person and a, and a healthy present with them. I think those are all key pieces and they support you in your goals and your dreams and they, they support the authentic version of you and you feel like you can really be yourself. I think that's healthy. What does unhealthy look like? It's to, I think unhealthy, it prevents that. Um, there, there may be isolation. They are not they don't they don't see your worth or your value they're not talking to you there's emotional abuse there may be of course you know any type of physical abuse blatant, any type of right? abuse <laughs> um but even if it if it feels if you feel like it's stunting you and you can't be the full expression of who you're of who you're called to be you feel like they're restraining you you feel like you don't have a voice you feel like your opinions don't matter you feel like you have no degree of influence in the relationship that's all toxic that's not healthy And is there any point where you can be experiencing these things, but maybe you're telling yourself that you're being too emotional? 
hands down, you may even be told that you're being too emotional. And at the end of the day, if you write it down, because, you know, black and white, and you can see it for yourself, like what are your experiences? What are the pros of this relationship? What are the cons of this relationship? And can you be honest? And can you talk to a friend about this relationship? And what is their opinion of your partner? What is their opinion of maybe their experience of you now that you're in this relationship as well, because you know, they love you. That's a good one. What are other people seeing from the outside? Yes. Yes. That might help you validate what you're feeling, what you're feeling, put it on paper, Mm. pros and cons. That's a good one. So um, if we want to follow you, uh, maybe we want some one-on-one counseling. How can we do that? Oh, most definitely. So um, uplifting relationships.com. I'm also doing a free challenge. Um, called Speak Life as a Wife Challenge. <laughs> oh, how, how do you do it? Um, um, SpeakLifeAsAWife.com, and you can sign up. It'll be online. It'll just be ways to use your words to create the positive climate and shift that you want in your relationship. Um, and I'm at I'm on Instagram at dr underscore Cassandra, and you know I'm just here to help people create a legacy and enjoy the beauty of relationships. It's really a matter of our of our physical and emotional health and well-being. So it really matters. I love it. You guys, we're trying to keep our families together, okay? Yes. That is why we have Mo Love. I hope you've learned so much. And Dr. Cassandra, I appreciate you for being here. I can't thank you enough.